episode, if I can speak today, episode 166 of Crossover Commerce. This is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and brightest in the Amazon industry or, or e-commerce industry, whatever you want to call yourselves. But I, I have no uh, biases to either one, but uh, I call it the corner of my industry because I am, in fact, and I showed my guests this, in a corner of my office where I like to talk about all things Amazon. And that can be anything from marketing to product listing to sourcing to uh, logistics to uh, finance to anything and everything in between. And that's what this show is based around. Um, if you're not familiar with Crossover Commerce, again, my name is Ryan Kramer. I'm the host. And we bring on these bright experts to kind of give us the information that we can apply to our business and apply it and moving forward um, from there. And it, it's as simple as that. We like to have a lot of fun on this podcast and, of course, um, get a lot of actionable insights as well. That means today is no exception. But before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong Payments. No, they are not a uh, cross-border. They are not a payment service for ping pong paddles or anything of that sort. They are a cross. We are a cross-border payments solution, helping sellers internationally keep more of their hard-earned money. That means if you're paying a supplier, a manufacturer, your VA, whatever that might be, if you're paying an employee internationally, you can use ping pong payments to pay them in localized currency to save money. Don't pay it on the fees. Don't spend more money than you have to. Keep more of those hard-earned dollars to buy more inventory, spend it on advertising, pay yourself out, and ultimately just make time work for you. So if you haven't used ping pong payments, go ahead and sign up for free. That can be done at usa.pingpongpayments.com forward slash podcast. Of course, you want to go ahead to the podcast uh, page and check out all of our past episodes, of course, the video and audio versions. If you haven't watched any of our episodes, you can find them there or on your favorite podcast destinations that being said thank you ping pong thank you for all that you do go ahead and sign up for a free account today again episode 166 that means there has been lots of content we've shared in the course of the year plus that we've been doing this podcast that means anything like i said before um product listings to sourcing to marketing we've touched a lot of different great topics but i always love it when i can get on friends of the show as i like to call it of the podcast to come back give more actionable insights because Honestly, an hour is just not long enough to have these people speak their great thoughts and ideas and also their findings, to be uh, to quite frank, um, on the podcast when we have them on future episodes. Um, the person we have on today, again, is a friend of the show. Her name is Sharon Evan. Uh, she is with FBA, uh, you know, the, the alphas, if you will. Uh, we linked out to all of her stuff in the comment section as well, but she has been on the past talking on the numerous different topics in terms of... Uh, you know, mentorship as well as came on on our special 100th episode. But now uh, we, it's been, it feels like it's been a while since she's had her own uh, episode. So I wanted to bring her back. And believe it or not, as crazy as things continue to go, we're in the midst of Q4. There's all these kinds of things that are popping up for sellers. It's nice to think about the things in the future and you can plan for those actionable insights for the future. Because if you're just not planning ahead, then you're planning to fail as, as the old adage typically goes. So what we're talking about today is of course going to be product research and sourcing in 2022. That is obviously uh, 2022. It seems like a scary time, but it is not far away whatsoever. So wanted to have back on friend of the show, Sharon Evan of FBA Alphas. Sharon, welcome to Crossover oh, Commerce once again. That was <laughs> the longest beginning of a podcast ever. How do you do that? That was amazing. I don't know. This is this is all not scripted too. By the way, this is all at the top of my head. So. <laughs> uh, I also mentioned, forgot to mention that you are a uh, full or part-time mentor or YouTube personality. You're a part-time podcast host, full-time mother, and full-time badass in terms of juggling all these things. So, again, you're, it's 10:30 at night where you are. You said you didn't say no to this, so I'm I'm questioning maybe what's wrong with you right now. But uh, well, I'm, I'm was super excited to have you. It was supposed to be earlier, you right? You invited me earlier, and then Thresier decided to have an, a, a mini event here, and I asked you if we can delay it. And then I drank a little bit of wine, so I asked you if we could delay it a little bit more. It so, is true, and and everyone th for listeners out there, this is this is this is something that played out literally, of course, across a Facebook message. If this was last Monday, we'd be screwed. We have no idea. I wouldn't know how to get in touch with you if it wasn't for Facebook Messenger. But that being said, we we made it work. Uh, Gracio, she, or Sharon is in uh, Israel, and they're throwing an amazing event, which didn't give you much notice in terms of 
no, when it was going to happen. But of course, you got to say yes to those kind of things, right? Yeah, yeah. Had to go. Had to go. It was great. Had to go. Support support some friends. But the event went well. Tell me about the event. What was about the event? I'm curious about it. Was it, it was, big, small? Um, it was very small. It was like 40 people, um, top Israeli sellers and some service providers. Um, it was by Thresir and Iskana. Damn, I hope I didn't butcher Scala. that name. Escala, Escala, Escala. It was Yoni. Yeah, Yoni, yeah. Friend of the show, Yoni. Yep. Yoni is also a friend of mine. He's actually the the person that re remembered to send me. No, I'm kidding. They honestly had closed it like a day before. And, he, and then he sent me a message. Um, and it was fun. We had, there was a lot of whiskey because I was at a whiskey bar and I don't drink whiskey. So I drank some wine and I haven't drank wine in a long time. And there were real top dog Amazon sellers, like way bigger than me, like eight figure sellers there. Um, Rafael from Unicargo was there. Neil Rivera was there. Um, a whole bunch of people. I probably forgot some names, but okay yeah i mean there's a lot of people that's amazing well i'm curious too is, i mean we have we talked about this on our last episode too israel's a really big booming tech hub not a lot of people talk about it. i think it's a very sneaky place for especially amazon but e-commerce in general is there's lots of sellers that come from israel surprisingly yeah. enough or shouldn't be surprising i should say um it's not surprising because like israel's like startup nation you know like everyone's a high-tech or not everyone, but it's a lot of people. Like high tech's a huge thing here. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, when I first moved to Israel, which is like eleven years ago, I was already selling online, and like I was a weirdo because I was selling. Like if I was selling online back then, it was like I didn't know what to do with myself. So it's interesting how that's taken a shift in this country. Right, because you started on trade me. Is that what it was called? Yeah, so I originally come from New Zealand and I started at trademe.co.nz when I was 15. That's when I started selling on online and then moved on to eBay and a whole bunch of other places and even Yedstein in Israel, which is like the uh, like eBay of Israel and all sorts of things and e-commerce. And that's, yeah, so when I moved here, people thought I was weird. But now it's not, <laughs> not like so that. weird anymore, are we? No, exactly. not so weird anymore, am I? <laughs> Everyone else is like, yeah, you're the one laughing now. But, but that, that's kind of the strange thing, too, is because, because even though you started, what, 15, 16 years ago when you were selling, it, it, it's still in its infancy, which is kind of interesting to think about as you think about just people say that the aggregator space is in its infancy. Well, e-commerce in general is in its infancy. Um, it's no long, it's it's no more than, you know, 20 plus years old in that regards, or maybe maybe 30 in, in that capacity. What are, what are your kind of thoughts as, as we continue to evolve and you've seen things shift in different ways to on Amazon, different marketplaces? Is there, is there something that you're kind of keeping your eye on as that next iteration continues? Um, I think the digital world in general has, uh, well, will continue and has just gone crazy in the last couple of years. And I think the e-commerce world specifically Look, specifically Amazon, I think nothing is the same and everything is different. So I think that um, if you aren't, we've spoke uh, many times when I've, I mean, I mean, we've, I've come on twice, but you and I have spoken a lot of time about resilience. You know, it's like one of my favorite words. Um, I think that you have to be really, really resilient, very, very creative slash a very good operator to be able to do what we do today. Um, and yeah, I think that you and I spoke about this before we came on. I told you like, I'm a hundred percent pro sellers. It's not that I love the aggregators because I don't, um, I think that they're a little bit problematic for the average seller, but I do love the fact that it gives a lot of people the opportunity to be able to do exits that maybe before COVID weren't really, it would have taken a long time to get there longer. Right. So yeah, that's my take well, on it. And, well, that's your take on it. And of course, like I, I've spoken about this on multiple podcasts. So of you, there's lots of good and bad things too. But I think kind of maybe segueing into our topic that we discussed today. I think a lot of people have honestly just, they, they overshot the idea of product sourcing and product iteration and also sourcing in general logistics um, with logistics and whatnot, the way it is in the world. And I think that as you kind of see, hear these like, not cracks, but whispers of 
hey, they're struggling because of this, or they, they've run into the same problems that any small or medium-sized business continues to have uh, with, with worldwide shortages of inventory or just problems with getting your products in stock or just even raw materials, they're going through the same thing, but almost at a massive scale. And then also trying to piece it all together, almost like a Frankenstein, if you will, right? So it, it, it's a weird nuanced way, but what we wanted to talk about is product, you know, product research and sourcing for 2022. Is it, is it honestly, is this the perfect time to start thinking about that? Or is it, is it too late to already start thinking about what you're going to be doing for the new year? I don't think it's too late to start thinking about what about next year, you mean? Right. I mean, because if you're ordering products, is it, I would hate to say, is it going to get here in time before the start of the new year, before like Chinese new year and things like that is, you know, I, I what, what are, what's your time frame or I don't like, like think we're in a race. Anyone's, I don't, I don't think there's a bad time to source, uh, to launch on Amazon. I don't think that there was ever a bad time to, to launch. Uh, nothing is the same and everything's different today. Um, and, and not only that, everything is unpredictable today. So you mentioned a few things on a sourcing level. I mean, probably 90% of the sellers that I know source from China. Uh, there's a very little amount of people that I know that the majority of the products are not from China. Um, mm. And there is a lot of problems today when it comes to, to China. Uh, like we've got the electricity shortage right now, which is impacting a lot of suppliers. It's impacting my suppliers as well. And not every single supplier has the means to go and buy a generator. We have uh, raw material increase. We've got manpower increase, labor increase in China. We've got a possible war with Taiwan that could be happening. And, and like there's a lot going on right now in China. And then on top of that, we have um, shipping is actually shipping, I will say, has gone down dramatically in October. Like I just saw a 40 foot container um, quote for $8,000 when like in September it was like 17 and then in August right. it was like 25. No, in September it was around 25. Sorry. So there is a huge decrease in uh, shipping right now, but it's not it's not going to stay like that. So no. Um, so there's a lot going on. There is a lot of things. And I think that the biggest thing that I'm keeping my eye on right now, and like, I'm going to focus on sourcing right now, because somehow that's what I started talking about. And then we'll go back to product research. But I really do believe that they go hand in hand. You can't do product research without understanding sourcing. You can't source without making sure that you're sourcing the right product. Like they go hand in hand. And I do think that the world today needs to be less reliant on China. And I want to make it clear that I am like my entire life I've sourced from China. My background is product development. You know, I've, I've my entire, that's what I mostly know. And I myself am having to teach myself how to source from other countries because every culture is different and every country is different. And the way that you deal with a Chinese manufacturer is not the same way that you deal with a Vietnamese manufacturer. In China, the word yes is the first word that comes out of a, a supplier's mouth when you ask a question. In Vietnam, the first thing is no, maybe we'll find a way to do it later. You know, and every country is different. US has its ups and downs for manufacturing, but uh, Mexico, many, many other countries, but I do believe that we have to diversify ourselves today. And that's one thing that people like need to understand. I don't think that, you know, it's going to happen tomorrow and that's it. No one's going to source from China anymore. But I think that the last two years has proven to us that we can never have all our eggs in one basket. Right. So that's what I'm keeping an eye on when it comes to, to sourcing um, from China. I'm starting to to make connections um, and not connections through our industry, but more connections in my own ways. I'm finding people through LinkedIn. I'm finding people through YouTube, uh, YouTube. And when I say YouTube, I don't mean like a YouTuber like me. I mean like 
like I'm, I'm going on all sorts of different supply chain YouTube channels and I'm listening to all sorts of podcasts from people that are like not in the Amazon niche, just in general in the supply chain niche. And I'm finding them then on LinkedIn and I'm reaching out to them and like I'm trying to build connections because I've found that in our industry, a lot of people talk as if they know about sourcing from other countries, but they're learning just as much as I am right now. Like they don't actually know <laughs> as much as as it, it seems. So I think that's, that's that's one thing that I'm keeping an eye out. And then that then goes hand in hand with, okay, so product sourcing. So I mean, product research. So when it comes to product research, um, it's in general, my methods have never been the same as most people. I don't use softwares to look for products. I don't use software uh, a lot unless it's for keywords right? Keywords, market analysis, and things like that I do. Uh, competitor analysis, but not for finding, um, not for finding products. So my, my, I believe that my methods for finding products are like timeless principles. It doesn't matter what changes in the world, because I always look for products that solve problems. And people will always have problems. And then I always focus on a very specific buyer avatar, and I always focus on a niche. So Absolutely. I, all those things, while you mentioned, I, I think like every successful person on online or any successful business would, would agree with those. I, I think, I think there's lots of different things we can unpack there. And one of the things I think is most fascinating that you talk about is th those evergreen ways of getting inspired by products. Um, you know, I know you've talked about Pinterest. I know you, we, we have a podcast episode later this week is out solely just focused on Pinterest and driving traffic um, to that, but also finding um, trends and whatnot. But it, it's the trendiness of what the world needs in the, that moment, which I think is so fascinating, right? It could be like just a, a something kitschy or like a trinket, but it also can be something that will never go away or a, you know, a problem that will always exist, um, whether it be something with your kids or something in the kitchen or something you know, with your bed, you're always going to need like pillows or stuff like that. So how do you, how do you find those things that stand out to the market and then obviously break through in that regards? I thought there was something really fascinating that a lot of people are trying to understand is where things are trending mostly um, on these social media platforms or just in general, like on Netflix, like this, let's call it what it is. I found it so fascinating and you've probably seen this go around. For example, something Squid that blows game. up like Squid Game. Yeah, we, we talked about Squid Game, and I, and I saw this coming too, right? You you hear you hear an article that says, "Hey, the CEO says this is going to be one of the biggest, you know, things that we've ever produced in our life." And believe it or not, it was like I watched the entire season or episodes. Um, I was intrigued by it all. I'm not traditionally drawn to those things, but it was so fascinating. And instantly, the entrepreneur side of me, as I was scanning throughout all this and what was going to be big. Everything that I saw and I thought about the timing, I go, you know what? I bet you everything in everyone's power, you're going to see all these different things trend. It's going to be costumes. It's going to be merchandise. It's going to be all these different weird things that somehow spark this natural search products and let alone number top 10 in all these searches in, across Amazon after a week or two of it being out there is a squid game costume, a squid game like mask, all these different things. And yet somehow in itself, Netflix doesn't have something that facilitates commerce online for these kinds of things in general. So, so it's all these weird things that how are big companies missing these things when I know people in China are trying to capitalize on costumes for these kinds of products or sell it for these things. How are we missing these trends, if you will, or how do you, how do you try to forecast for trends like that in the future? Do you have any insight to that? Look, I don't, I'm not against selling trendy products. Because right. I know people that have made a lot of money from trending products, like poppets and things like that, right? Um, I don't watch TV or Netflix, but I am. You don't aware, have time for that. I I, am, I don't have time for that, but I am aware of the whole Squid Game thing. We're in October, and it's Halloween at the end of the year, at the end of the month. So it makes sense that that's trending right now. I don't know when Squid Game Squid Games came out. When did it come out? September 17th. So it okay. was almost three or four weeks ago. So like for something like that, the average non-physically in China, okay, the average seller 
I don't think could have really prepared from that. And that's why you'll see that the, most of those costumes are FBM because you're coming from China because mm -hmm. that's like a, that's a trend that you've got to get it in like right now. Right. Um, so it makes sense. I don't know if it would have been the number one trending keyword costume wise, if we weren't in Halloween, like Halloween's just around the corner. So I think that that's, sure. I don't think that it's something that many people could have prepared for when it comes to trends. I think that you need like you either make it in time or you're too late, you know, um, when it came to like the poppets, for example, poppet was the number one search term on Amazon for like two months, I think. Uh, every those month. are the fidget button or the, the fidget little like button thing. Right? Yeah. 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 For, so and for two months it was trending as one of the top things, almost oh. like uh yoga pants, TikTok yoga pants at the beginning of 2021. Yeah. There, there's all these weird products that for some reason or another social trends emerged and they pushed it up to number one, two last year in 2020, it was uh chess boards, queen gamut chess board, yeah. right? It was more things like that. Again, Netflix had that thing. They had some case studies of, Holy shit! There was uh, there was products being sold, uh, reemergence of books, um, chess sets on Amazon were going like crazy. All this kinds of stuff where it kind of circulated this emergence of a culture. And again, I think it's more of a cultural thing instead of a, a trendy thing. I, I just don't know how you again cap capitalize on those kinds of things without having a crystal ball, or if you have some sort of again. Disney even did the same thing when the Mandalorian came out recently. Uh, when it did, they had no, they released it and there was no merchandising agreements or licensing agreements with any sort of major distributor. So it was all knockoff stuff that you could find mm -hmm. until it was like the next year when it came around. So they, they didn't even plan for that kind of stuff too, in terms of like Christmas and holidays and whatnot too. So is there, I know there's a way to do it, but what, what are, like, how do, I, how do we capitalize on that kind of stuff? I focus, I think that I'm like a little bit different when it comes to like I don't I'm not going to say I don't believe in it I just don't focus on bringing sure. out trending products I'm all about brand building finding a buyer avatar that has a problem and selling the same types of products that that buyer avatar buys to that buyer so right. like that's my thing it's very difficult in my opinion to exit something that only is on trends like this whole squid game thing is trending now but it's not going to be the same next october yeah, be the next thing, like by then and so i think that again like for example with the poppets i don't know how long poppets are going to be a thing for like if we use that as the latest trend that has been going on for a while and it's the thing is like when i realized that poppets was becoming a thing my mind was already going to, okay, well, what else can you do? What else can you make out of puppets? And the thing is, I never did anything with this, but it's already started to happen. But I was already thinking about it like two and a half months ago. People have started making puppet pencil cases and puppet bags and anything that you take one puppet, another puppet, you can sew it together and create something out of it. I was already looking at that like yeah. a couple of months ago. Uh, I'm just way, way too busy to even think about going down the route of that. But like, if I was looking at that, that's what I, if I was to do that, that's what I'd be doing. Be like, okay, there's this trend, right? Everyone's either making it a glow in the dark puppet or a really large puppet or a different shaped puppet. But like, what else can I take? How can I repurpose the puppet? How can I take something that already exists, but still have the puppet on it? So you'll see today, there's like all these puppet accounts with like, like tens of thousands of followers. And what I'm telling you now, that's what they've done. There's now puppet bags and there's um, puppet pencil cases, puppet coasters, like all sorts of different puppet stuff. Um, so if I was to look into trending products, I would probably look at something like that. Like how can I take something that exists and then repurpose whatever this trend is for that? But again, that's that's not... Like that's something that's trending. It's something that's going going to do well now. We don't know how long it's going to, to do well for. So if you're doing that in addition to building a brand, then that's, you know, that's my, my take on it. I'm not saying that I don't. I know a lot of people that made a lot of money, you know, from trends. But, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people. I know some people that made money from trends. But that's like not my thing.
Right. I mean, that makes sense too, but I mean, I think there's some takeaways that you can obviously implement, right? If you're selling something similar, you can maybe, I don't know if keyword researcher kind of point people to that where they can, by making almost like a, a fencing helmet, right? Like I was doing the same thing too. How can you take something that you are currently selling, such as a fencing helmet, which is what I believe is similar to what the costume context is, and either repurpose it or you have that inventory on hand and say, hey, something that you can make your own or DIY, almost like tie natural trending stuff to it, but make it sure that it's evergreen, um, stuff like that. So kind of kind of breaking away, going back to things that you are passionate about, you are, you know, you will die on that on your hill on this is the way to do product research. Finding those kinds of things, what, what are those ways to, to find those products and uh, do product research? Wow. Um, I <laughs> hard hitting questions here. No, I'm, I'm thinking about how to answer this question. So I want to make it clear. I don't think that my ways are the only ways, right? I know that there are many different ways. There's no sure. like one way to do something, but my approach to product research is, um, wow. There's so many different methods I have, but it, it starts with a starting point. Okay. Mm -hmm. You need, you know, when I start talking with my hands that I'm going to talk for a long time. So it starts starts with a starting point. You need a starting point in order to then get in, like to start going down the rabbit hole of your ideas. So when you talk about like Pinterest, I don't go to Pinterest out of nowhere. I have like a list and then I'll go to Pinterest and I'll go to YouTube and I'll go to Facebook and I'll join Facebook groups and I'll do all these like different things that I do to find products, but I start with a starting point. So um, when I say a starting point, I, so I, I don't know if like, you know, and this isn't me like trying to promote it. I'm just explaining. I have a product research and sourcing course and I do product research marathons in there. And what I do is I send out a questionnaire each time and the questions can change. They usually change. And part of the questions are questions like, well, what are things that you love? What are things that your children love? What are um, significant milestones you went through in your life? What are like all these different questions? Because I've found that I'm the type of person. Well, I am kind of being a hypocrite because I sell things that I'm passionate about, but I don't have to. So I have two beauty brands and a baby brand the baby brand I made after I gave birth, it's a postpartum brand and I have two beauty brands and like beauty is something I'm very passionate about. So technically I sound like a hypocrite, but before I started selling on Amazon, before I started selling on Amazon, anything that was not harming people, like I, I didn't care whether I loved or hated it. You know, I could sell like a product for birds and I have no, I'm not passionate about birds. I don't care about birds. Right. So but I've learned. You just offended all the birds that listen to this podcast here. I'm really sorry to any birds out there. Uh, but the point of what I'm saying is I've learned though, Amazon is very tough and it's not the way that a lot of people make it to look. And I've learned through working with so many sellers through my coaching that the people that last most of the time are the people that are usually passionate about their brand. Um, it's not a hundred percent, but I would say that it's well over 50% of the people that I've seen that are able to continue launching in product after product and are really able to find like resilience and make it through the tough times. Cause there are a lot of tough times when you sell on Amazon are usually those people. Um, so sometimes it's just a matter of like making a list and I'll give you an example a milestone um, could be, for example, cancer. Okay, not the the nicest subject to think to talk about, but there are tens of thousands of different keywords around gifts for people with cancer, and cancer gifts for breast cancer, and um, uh, sympathy gifts, and all sorts of different like keywords around that. Um, and maybe that's a milestone or something that you went through in your life. You know, I had a mm-hmm. coaching call with a woman once and she told me she survived cancer four times. And I was like, what the hell are you doing looking at this other product she was looking at? I was like, why don't you use this experience 
you know, you know, no one knows this better than you and, and make, you know, these certain products that, that I then like implanted in her, her brain to think about. And her face suddenly lit up because from looking at something she didn't care about that she found, you know, randomly, suddenly I was talking about something that not only would be impacting people's lives, there's a lot of keywords on it on Amazon, but also you are the buyer avatar. You went through this yourself. You know what you'd like to receive as a gift and whatnot, for example. Um, a milestone could be like I gave birth. I went through some things after I gave birth and that helped me to find a niche that I wouldn't have known about had I not given birth, right? So I, my product research methods are very diverse, but one of my favorite methods and uh, or one of my favorite places for finding starting points for ideas right? I've spoken in it over the last years of many different ways, like go to Google, type in hobbies, you'll see like 200 different hobbies starting point. There is a great, and I've spoken about them a lot, and you know, you got to start talking about some other stuff. So this was the other thing that it took me quite a while to share that I really, really believe in. And it is like just making that list. Now, once you make that list, you then ask yourself questions. Like, so for example, maybe one of the things I'm really passionate about is music. Okay. So then, okay. So the next level is, well, then what can I do around music? So there's music decor, there's specifically instruments, there's like, and, and start making a list. So then, okay. So instruments. So who can I sell? What kind of instrument products are there? Are there, what kind of instruments out there? Who can I sell this to? Because there's children, there's adults, there's seniors, there's disabled people. I don't know, pets, maybe maybe there's instruments for pets, whatever. Never like, know. It's no, a trend, maybe. Who knows? It could be. You know what I found out the other day? That there's such a thing called um, uh, cat boots or something like that. Who the hell puts freaking shoes on a cat? I don't know about cats. I can definitely see dogs. I mean, oh man, like th this is something I'm going to go off on a, on a crazy creative idea. Maybe it's if these people are walking their cats, they don't want to tear up their feet. My dog has a problem with tearing up her feet and it's ridiculous. She has like a 10 foot cone on her and she's whooping around. We would just rather put boots on her feet to walk. So she doesn't do that. Maybe someone made that iteration for cats. There you go. I, I just solved the but, problem or solved the I mean, I think that that's like pretty insane, but my, my, the thing you're is not, you're not the target. <laughs> I'm not, the target. I'm not the buyer avatar and I'm probably also not the, the seller for it, but there's keywords around that. And like the way that you can get to something like that is by making those types of lists. Right. So, and it's not only that, like, I will also ask myself questions like, like what are problems that I face? Um, and, and all sorts of different things. And then what I will do is I will then find out who the buyer avatar is, and then I'll just hang out wherever they hang out. So if they hang out in, let's just say that I've decided that I want to get into boho decor. Okay. Mm. And, uh, so I'll get into a whole bunch of Facebook groups around boho decor and I'll look at what types of things people, I will usually go straight to the photos section and just look at photos of where people have made a lot of comments about certain things. Or let's say I wanna get into Montessori. I did this the other day actually on, on one of the marathons that I run. I went into a whole bunch of different Montessori Facebook groups, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, although I believe in the Montessori educational way, it doesn't mean I know every single thing. Right. So I went into the, into all these different Facebook groups and then I went to the images and then you literally see like people putting up images of products that they're using with their children. And I'm not kidding. You'll see like 700 comments, right? Like it depends on the, the groups, but there's one more story group that I'm in. There's something like 50,000 people there. And when I know there's 700 comments, I'm like, okay, this is something important you know, and, and you'll go in and I'll analyze the image or I'll see what, what people are putting in the comments, what kind of, et cetera. And then I'll find these products and then I'll go to Amazon and I'll search for keywords or maybe it already exists on Amazon, but through being in this Facebook group, it'll also help me to find differentiation points that I didn't even know about. Mm -hmm. So that's why I said to you that I feel like my, the methods that I use today are like they're timeless, COVID, no COVID, aggregators, no aggregators, like it doesn't matter 
because I'm not going after those huge things. You know, I'm the type of person where everyone will be like, well, yoga mats are so saturated. I mean, now what I'm about to say, I've said it so many times. So there's a lot of sellers now, but a year ago, it wasn't like this, but a year ago I was on a few podcasts and I gave this example when people were saying that yoga mats were saturated, I was looking at yoga mats for kids that wasn't saturated. So although when you went to page one for yoga mats for kids, there were a lot of yoga mats there. None of them were for kids, but the keyword is yoga mats for kids. And it had thousands of searches, but no one had made a yoga mat with a unicorn or a yoga mat with a dinosaur or whatever. And the more I learned about yoga for kids, I realized that it's a thing. Like there's a lot of different search volumes around yoga for kids, but the average person would have been like, but yoga mats are so saturated, right? So it's all about, for me, it's all about niching down. It's all about really understanding A, who is the buyer avatar that uses the product and B, who is the buyer avatar that buys the product because it's not always the same person. You could be selling a product that's a gift for a mother, but the mother isn't buying the product. It's usually the grandmother or the friend or whatever it may be. Um, or you could buy, be selling a product for a child, but the person that usually buys those products are the grandmothers or the parents. So I will think of differentiation points that will both solve the problem for the child and for the parent. How am I going to... Um, implant this product in their brain where it's solving a problem for them as a parent as well. So I get into the whole psychology side of things as well. And yeah. I was going to say, is that why, is that why there will never be a moment where people run out of ideas or product ideas in terms of selling on a marketplace like an Amazon, just because there's always going to be a new passion, a new project, a new iteration, a new way to differentiate yourself. Like you said, yoga mats can seem almost as if it was, you know, it hit a wall and that was it. Like you can't stand out anymore, but there are, like you said, for kids, like there's all these other subcategories that can extend from this and then that will go away and then it'll come back or anything along those lines. Is that why still there will be a place for people to continuously launch new products, new solutions, new ideas on a marketplace like Amazon? I think that there's always going to be problems and people will always come up with solutions for them. So that's why when people say Amazon is saturated, I will always say it's not. You just don't know how to find those niches. You don't like, let me just think about how to say this. The likelihood of a person becoming a seven figure or eight figure seller on Amazon is slim. Most people will not become huge, huge sellers, but Almost everyone that doesn't have issues with cash flow can become a five and six figure seller. Who the hell said that the word seven figure seller means you're doing well? I know a lot of people that are six figure sellers that do better than seven figure sellers on a profit level, you know? Um, So I believe in spreading. I'm the type of person, and this is how my father always brought me up as well. You never put your eggs in one basket. For me, having just one, what a lot of people call alpha ASIN, that is putting all your eggs in one basket. I can't remember if you and I ever spoke about this, but I'm sure you know because I did make a lot of noise about it. I had an entire brand taken down last year on Prime Day, right? Now that's an entire, that's that's one of my small, well, it's not small, but that's a brand that only has four products in it with many variations. And all the products were taken down. And one of them was down for three and a half weeks. And that's a lot of money, right? But I have another two brands. I have more products. Imagine though, if that's all I had, imagine if I had a large team and a mortgage and, you know, that was my food for for my house. So I don't believe in having just one product. I believe in having many products. And if you can sell many products that make you X amount of money that you're happy with, okay? For some people, I'll ask them, well, how much money are you looking to make? And they'll say, if I can make at least $3,000 a month, I'll be happy. And I'm like, okay, there's a few different ways of doing that, right? That could be three different products making $1,000 profit a month. And it could be one product making $3,000 a month. But if you make it one product making $3,000 a month, 
you've just got one product, all your eggs are in one basket and anything can happen on Amazon at any time. And I'm proof of it, right? Mm -hmm. Work up on Prime Day, Monday, I can't remember what day it was, but work up on Prime Day last year, 2020, everything down, right? I was going to say October 16th, 17th, I believe it. Last it was around year, like yeah. this time last year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was. So, so yeah, with that, with that being said, I think I, I'm on the same page. If people are just sitting, you saw it in 2022, if you are 2020 as well, if you had a brand that was not considered, uh, you know, not, I forget the terminology that you can use. If it wasn't something that was necessary, yeah, essential or necessary, sorry. I keep using the term all the time. I just blank on mm. it sometimes, but if it wasn't a central product, you weren't selling it on Amazon, but people who were selling in different marketplaces or different had different brands and products across the board, they were fine. People who were stuck in that category, they couldn't sell for a month or two months or something. I forget the time frame, but things like that where I wish more people would start to learn from those mistakes instead of, I'm only going to find one product, make it really like trendy. We talked about trending earlier. That That's not a brand in itself. That is something that is either getting ahead of the curve and knowing where there's going to be a buyer and then it's going to fizzle out. Brand would be something that over time, you know that they're going to come out with something that's going to fix these problems or solutions, or it's going to be something you can think about. If it's, you say the name, that's a brand. If you recognize it, or if you look at a product, that's a brand. So I think that there's a shift into not just selling online, but it's now become, how do I build a brand? But then how do I build a brand that's going to be last outside of just one channel. So it's all these multiple steps of how do you do that? How do you make yourself profitable? And I think it's the same problem that you see aggregators coming into. How do I become this place that's known for brands across the board? And they're going to know that it's tied back to us if we buy that brand. It could be all over the place, but they won't know it's us. It is, I, I think that there's an identity crisis for lots of people in terms of what they want to be known for instead of just profits. What do you, like you said, if it speaks to them or if it's something that affects them personally, that itself is a brand and that has more weight now more than ever in that regards too. So is, a brand, is that, is, yeah, go ahead. A, a brand is about like putting up um, four different products that just have your logo on it doesn't mean that you're a brand. Okay. Right. A brand is about, it's about the way that your product makes the buyer feel. It's about, they see your, your branding and they know it's your brand. A brand is not exclusively only what I'm about to say now, but very much so. A brand is if you're out of stock, they will wait two weeks and not buy your competitor's product because they want to buy from you. Right. Now it does, it's not only because not like a lot of my products are the types of products that you have to keep buying every month, right? So that really, really like resonates with me and makes a lot of sense for me, but not for everyone. Sometimes maybe the buyers, the, they don't know your brand, but once they click on your listing and they see your brand story and they see your color scheme and they see your whole branding, the way that you're presenting the product, et cetera, that will be different from the average like private label seller copy paste right someone was i don't look in other people's groups anymore because it just makes me angry but i did look at a group the other day and i saw that somebody had tagged anthony lee who had spoken on a podcast about how like the private label is dead and I was like, oh, wow, I have to hear this. So I was, I, it wasn't like that. I'm misrepresenting it. I don't know exactly how he, had, he, like how to label it, but he was saying that the typical private label, um, like typical private label doesn't work anymore on Amazon. And I was like, wow, I have to hear this. I didn't listen to all of it. I listened to like five minutes of it because I was. Someone told Anthony that. No, that's something that Anthony, someone tagged that people need to watch this. And it was Anthony had said this. This was a subject of the podcast. And Anthony was saying this, that like private label label is, has changed and it is dead now. And the likelihood of, and, and everything to do with like success on Amazon is luck. And I was like, what the freak? I, I do so much research. Like it's not luck. It's the fact that, you know, and I had to listen to it. after I listened to it, it made a lot of sense, but there was one thing he said there 
which because of it, I'm actually going to change the name of my Facebook group. And it was about how private label is dead. And I was like, I don't even really do private label today. Like I used to call, you know, my group's called Amazon FBA Alpha's private label domination. And I was thinking about it and I was like, but I don't even believe in copy pasting. Like I don't believe in, hey, let's find this and just put our logo on it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't do that today, especially for the last the last couple of years. I think that today it's all about, I really do think it's all about differentiation. It's all about understanding the buyer avatar, focusing on the buyer, understanding if you're looking at keywords. And there is many, many keywords around like a very specific subject. So how many people would have picked up a year ago on yoga mats for yoga mats for kids? Not that many, you know, I'm not saying that I created that trend. I'm not taking, like, I'm not saying it was me, but not that long after, like about four months after I kept talking about that, suddenly there were heaps of yoga mats for kids. So I'm, yeah. I, I, I don't know, but the point is that if you're consistently seeing yoga mats for, and then suddenly you see a word like kids, yoga mat for girls, et cetera, et cetera. And there isn't anything like that on Amazon. I didn't even think just about yoga mats. I was like, I didn't even know there was such a thing as yoga for kids. And then I went and I learned about a whole bunch of things about yoga for kids. And then it leads leads you into meditation for kids. And now you've got this whole range of potential products. Like, I'm not kidding, like 10 to 15 potential products that aren't that expensive. You can differentiate it a lot if you think outside the box. And there's keywords there. You don't... And if there isn't keywords there, there are keywords that you can piggyback off that mm-hmm. will still target the same buyer avatar. I'm going to shut I up mean, a little bit. I feel like I'm... No, no, you're fine. No, it's good. <laughs> you're the you're the host on my show. I'm the one who's supposed to sit back and listen. Um, no, that, that that makes complete sense. And a lot of a lot of that, again, your point with Anthony is saying it's not just a slap a logo on it. I think this is the point he was trying to make us. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're not slapping a logo on it anymore. It's it how do you anymore. differentiate? Right. It, it, it's not something as funny as something at Alibaba, slapping your logo on it, calling it a day. Um, I, I, I agree with that sentiment as well. And it's just the differentiation of how you can make people's lives easier. Again, going back to how do you make them feel? Um, I, I hesitate also to see like the aggregator space in, in terms of they say products last hopefully five to 10 years. And again, I've heard from multiple people say that in terms of that space, of course, you would love to have a product that lasts five to 10 years. How do you, that that means you're going to have to go towards more evergreen products, how they're going to differentiate over time. And you're going to have to have that foresight of, hey, this product is going to have to have either iterations in different ways that still stand out, or it's going to have to be something that has had consistency in the past. Like I said, the top of Again, this was a talk I heard with their SEO. They said, we just acquired the top pillow maker um, on Amazon. For the last three years, they have had they have over 50,000 reviews, stuff like that. And you have to almost bank on that continuing to be the case. And someone doesn't come along and say, I'm going to make a better product than you and subvert you guys in that regard. So again, you can't just rely on past history. You have to also somewhat have this forecasting capability of how do I continue to make it better and fit the next year's criteria of uh, that customer persona or avatar. The thing is like how I'm like all about the sellers and you know this about me. Like I really couldn't care less about service providers. All I care about is the sellers. And and like, mm. that's a good thing in and in a, well, it's not a bad thing, but it's uh, it has closed doors for me, but I don't care because that's what I'm here for. Just really, it's the sellers. And how many sellers are going to be the number one pillar sellers on Amazon? Like two, <laughs> you know, like not ever. Yeah. Like not that that's not, it's not realistic. There's only so many people that are a going to have the cash flow to be able to be the number one sellers in pillars because you need, this is a cash flow intense business. You don't have money in this business. You can't make it. That's how this business works, right? And I mean, unless you you get into debt and stuff, which not everyone should do and not everyone is open to do as well. So especially today, we're talking about 2022. 
lead time is at least double what it used to be. Shipping currently has gone down. We spoke about this in the beginning, but it, it will go back up. Um, issues with with supply chain. You need if if lead times have gone up, it means you need to order a lot more units, right? So you need a lot more money up front today, right? So to be the number one in in a uh, niche is amazing and great, but not everyone's going to be able to accomplish that. But uh, almost everyone that has money aside for Amazon can accomplish selling differentiated niche down products or repurposing products. So maybe I'd be taking, okay, I don't know if a pillow is a good example, but I can take a, um, let me just think for a second. Let's just say I take hair ties. I've got <laughs> a hair tie here. Okay. I take hair ties and I repurpose it as a gender reveal a door lock product like you, we were talking about you can now lock your door now uh from your job coming into your office okay example yes it's eco-friendly it's a safe product you can't get your you can't get pinched in there there you go right so like the point is that um first of all i was thinking about this while you were talking and i sat down with uh one of thrasio's people that was at the event here in israel and I was telling them, I was asking them about um, what of what of our brands that we were looking into selling is not the typical brand that an aggregator would buy. There's a lot of compliance issues there. Not issues, not issues. I take that more back. hoops to jump through. There is there is it's not through. a simple, it's not simple, and there's liability there, and not it's it can be a headache. And um I spoke to them about it. And that led to then us speaking about some of my clients that possibly, you know, are looking to exit. And then the the guy was giving me examples of the type of things that they're interested in buying. And it's really like he was giving me examples of things that were on the table. It was like, you know, like napkins and things that are always going to be needed and this and that. And I was like, okay. Does that just sound boring to you? Like yes. if, if I'm a business yes. and I, and I'm like, and I hear this or I'm a seller and I just, you want, you want to buy boring things like that, that doesn't sound innovative, which again, I'm on the opposite side of things. I think innovative companies will continue to outshine and outperform other businesses, but anyone can buy said product and it, you're competing with like retail and you're competing with all these things. Like why not buy it? a niche that there it fits all these different products and solutions. And again, you might be, you might be known as again, the, the hair tie lock company or whatever we just made up on the spot, but <laughs> you know what shit you have, you have 10,000 sales every month or something like that because of people around the world just have that, that problem, it, but it's not what's trendy or it's not like safe. I should say, I feel like the safeness of things has become has outshined the potential of growth now in the space in that regard in 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 that specific example i should say i think that as long as you look i i was telling you earlier that i was listening to this anthony lee podcast and there was one thing that he said which is why i actually listened because i don't have time to listen to other people's podcasts apart from every time you're live, I try to come on. I haven't been on for a long you time. So it's true. Way too busy, but I do try to come on. But anyway, and the thing that made me listen to it was the fact that he was saying that if you do well on Amazon, it's because of luck. That's what, that's what the guy had said. He said, it's not what Anthony actually said. He said it differently. Right. Okay. It, he did say it, but in a different way. And I was like, what the hell did you just say? Do you know how much research I do? Like, it's not luck. It's my blood, like sweat and tears that I put into, into like doing in-depth market analysis, in-depth, like understanding what the mar potential market share is, in-depth buyer avatar analysis. Like there's so much that I do and I go into before I even start going further into a niche and you're telling me it's luck. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, it is a little bit of luck. There's only so much that you can do, but you won't know whether it's actually going to work or not until you launch. 
there is always risk involved, like every single business there is in the world. There's no such thing as business without risk. There's always risk, including right. Amazon, right? I just think that you lower your risk when you do innovative things that there are keywords for on Amazon. Or if there are not keywords there, there has to be keywords that you can piggyback off, right? You have to be able to either piggyback off a specific keyword. So let's just say if I'm selling a very, very, very specific product for as a, as a cancer gift product. Okay. So people, mm -hmm. that, um, but there isn't keywords for the very specific product that I'm selling, but I can piggyback off gifts for cancer patients and all sorts of, of those types of keywords that would lead them to the product, even though that exact product isn't being searched on Amazon, but I know it's being sold outside of Amazon. And I do a lot of research on that, then I, you know, that's okay. Right. But, um, what I was trying to say in that exact point is that as long as there are keywords there, you've done all of your research, you've done a lot like in-depth market analysis, competitor analysis. Um, I didn't even think, talk about the most important thing, profits analysis, leaving yourself enough, be profitable from the beginning. Yeah. Leaving yourself enough wiggle room for when shit goes down, like it has this year. This has probably been the hardest year in the supply chain that I've known, right? Like it's been a tough year in supply chain. Across the board, not just in e-commerce, just in general, retail, anything. In, in general, right now I'm talking about like myself and my clients, but you know, I had a supplier just before the national day um, holiday, the golden week. I wanted to put in an order and she said, we, we're only got our production lines only working two days a week right now. I'm not going to be able to fulfill this order. Like, and I was like, what did you just say? <laughs> like what? And you know, eventually we found a solution for it, but like, I wouldn't have never imagined that my supplier is going to get into a situation where they don't have electricity. So they're only working twice a week and that's for everyone else's orders apart from just mine. So this has been a very, very like tough year. Um, and I think that when it comes to wrapping up, when it comes to product research for 2022, I think that there has been a shift in the game. Nothing is the way that it used to be. You can't get away with, you know, I was at this Thrasio event that you and I were talking about earlier and I was looking around because I know some of those, some of them were really big sellers. And I was saying to myself, almost none of them would have made it if they would have started today because I know what a lot of them sell. And like, I'm not saying they wouldn't have made it, but it would have been a lot more difficult for them today because you can't get away with selling those types of products today being new unless you have a lot of money behind you for marketing, like a lot of money on a marketing level. Um, and it's because they started in 2014, 15, 16, you know, and that they're very, very established now in those very typical private label types of products, right? So I think that the game has changed. You can't follow old methods for product research. You need to be innovative. You need to differentiate. You need to have a product that is social media worth, in my opinion, right? You can't depend only on Amazon. You can't depend only on China. You need, like, I. that's what I believe in today. And when it comes to sourcing in 20, and not only that, we didn't even talk about PPC, but also PPC is a lot more expensive as well. So you yeah. need to have a lot of wiggle room um, for, for that as well. And then when it comes to sourcing, diversify, have a backup plan. Um, and Really, 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 really get to know the products that you're looking into. Every single aspect of the manufacturing process of your products so that you may, you'll be able to, you'll be smarter and you'll be able to source better. Maybe, you know, you'll be like, okay, well, wait a minute. I can actually make this part of the product in China, but I can have it assembled in America and it's going to end up costing me less because... It, 
it's too big if they send it from China, but if they have it assembled in America, then it's going to save me heaps and heaps of money on shipping. I don't know. I just made that up, but you, you right. get the point. So, or maybe, maybe if I change the material from this material to this material instead, it's going to save me a lot more money. No one else is doing that on Amazon. And then I can offer a better price or, you know, like instead of, of plywood, maybe making it composite wood or like be, you can't know that until you really understand your products. You have to really understand it. And it's like that little tip right there is actually like a total golden nugget because that can save you a lot of money. Look at that. Already got great feedback. And although it's been a tough year with a lot of the people, like you said, all the sellers beginning on Amazon, whether it was in 2020, 2021, um, or just more seasoned people, I think everyone got hit by it. But you have to start getting like, what's that next step? What's that next iteration? How do I, how do I ebb and flow? I would agree with you. I think a lot of people who not got lucky, but got in early, they saw success. They are now exiting their businesses because of just the natural person market kind of mentality. But as people continue to overcome all these different um, things, and th thanks Catherine for tuning in today. Um, as people overcome that, I think that almost shows more resiliency and more like brand stability, if that makes sense of Hey, even though we overcame all these problems, people still stuck around. They still brought our products. We figured it out. That was our, our SOPs are, you know, airtight now because we, we figured out, we took all the crap from sh uh, shipping and logistics problems. We, we took all the uh, cost hikes and we said, screw that. We're going to figure out how to be more cost effective. And, and, and that's where I think the resils resiliency and building a brand effectively, that all kind of works in that that next wave, if you will, of businesses that are successful online. And um, like you said, it's, it's really tough to, to go through all these different problems and not be successful unless you have those heaps of money. But as you continue to stand out different ways and say, how can I continue to build on and I fine tune and tweak and I, I still stay true and loyal to that beginner process of why did I get this product or why am I selling this? I think that's why a lot of people will continue to be successful. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I have to naturally put a bookmark into something because, I mean, there's all these topics we would talk about for another hour, but it's late where you're at. Um, it is. It's I'm a little sure. I don't even I'm know not, how I made it. I don't know how I made I it know. through you made it. the wine I drank before I, I, I was at the event. So, yeah. The racing home, the wine, uh, just just <laughs> in general, like working all day. It's And to have me, my exhaustive nature at the end of the day, I don't know how you did it. We're going to have to have you on again before the end of the year, for sure. Um, but uh, Sharon, uh, before we go again, how do people get in touch with you if they have like questions? You're also a podcast host because they, you go live, what, every Thursday? Is that the day still that we're still planning on it is. going? It's every Thursday, but this week it's going to be on Friday because Ken Golzari and I are going to be doing a um, Canton Fair one. And it, Canton Fair only starts on Friday. So this week... Go. Danny gave me permission to delay from Thursday to Friday, but you can, yes, I'm a uh, co-host on the seller sessions podcast. Um, my days are usually Thursdays except for this week, which is Friday. And I uh, also have a YouTube channel called Sharon Evan. And I have a Facebook group called Amazon FBA Alphas. And if you want to reach out to me, just find Sharon Evan and anywhere. LinkedIn, Facebook, anywhere. Instagram. We've linked, we've linked to it all. So you shouldn't, shouldn't feel, uh, you, you can't not find you. So there's all of this great content that's out there that you're pumping out there. And I, I'm always tuning in. Like you said, you tune in and I appreciate that. But when you talk, I, I always tend to, I always want to listen and tune in because there's so many, like you said, you, you've walked the walk, you've talked the talk, you've seen that success. And then you've also been vulnerable to share all that, the crap that you have to go through too. Not everyone does that or likes to say, I screwed up or we made a mistake and this is how we fixed it. It is what it is. Like I'm not unsusceptible to the same things you are. Like I said, lot of people yeah. like to put themselves above other people, but not you. I'm a seller like everyone else. That's it. <laughs> That's it. There That's you go. It. Entrepreneur. I'm, I'm in, in the trenches with all of you, with all the sellers listening. There it is. Well, I mean, yeah, with the next year, I, I mean, with the rest of this year, I'm hoping again, we don't have another issue like prom day last year. Of course, oh, fingers crossed you. for you, but yeah, I, hopefully those have all sorted out, but thanks again for hopping on late night. I'm going to let you, you know, log off and, and kind of rest that rest that brain. And thanks again for hopping on crossover commerce today, as always friend of the show, Sharon. Evan. 
Thank you, Ryan. Bye. No everyone. problem. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Uh, I'm gonna unmute myself and mute Sharon real quick. Uh, I'm gonna say thanks everyone for tuning in again to episode 166 of Crossover Commerce. Thanks to Sharon and her team. Uh, just just being super vulnerable and you know talking about the topics that no one likes to talk about in terms of doing the grunt work. I would like to say it's doing the the dirty work, if you will, of making sure you have to go through the right research, making sure it's going to last, making sure it's profitable, making sure it's um, going to be possible for you to um, sell it online instead of, I like this idea, I think it's going to sell, and it's a gut feeling. You need to have data, you need to have um, the research, you need to have the eyes and ears of other people to make sure that you can be successful and really drive not just a product online, but a brand and show how it can grow um, just in general. And I think what a lot of people, um, especially uh, Sharon has said, omni-channel, be diverse, make sure that you can build something that's going to be um, not just Amazon successful, but then again, can grow as if you want to exit or if you want to um, build a brand uh, wholesale, or if you want to be in retail or any of these things, it all starts with the plan and idea and research and the hard work, like I said, the the dirty work, if you will, of product research and sourcing. Check out Sharon and her, um, I say team, but she herself is her own team with her husband and amazing, uh, you know, they work together, but she has such great content on her, on her YouTube channel, but also follow her on Instagram, Facebook, and, you know, submit to the group and, and just listen and take notes. Uh, I There's not many people out there I would send other people to to listen uh, for great content, but thank you so much again, Sharon, for hopping on Crossover Again, episode 166, everyone. I'm going to stop talking because it sounds like I'm about ready to lose my voice, but thanks for tuning in again to my corner of the internet. Tomorrow, we will have another episode, um, the hyper-personalization of how AI is impacting retail and consumers with Melissa Drew of IBM. That is right. The company IBM, we're going to talk, we're getting nerdy tomorrow. We're going to talk about AI and helping personalization. Um as well. So tune in live if you can. If you can't, then you can obviously listen to all of our podcasts like this one. It will be available on usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast, or you can listen to your favorite channel, wherever you might listen to Apple, YouTube, Amazon Music. We're on all those places. Just search Crossover Commerce and subscribe for make sure that you don't miss an episode. That was episode 166. We'll catch you guys next time on Crossover Commerce. Take care.